Welcome to the Stone Industry Podcast. Whether you're an experienced agent, new to the industry, a property manager or principal, join us in conversations with fellow industry peers. Stone Industry Conversations will bring you content to inspire and inform you on your journey in real estate. Hi everybody and welcome to today's Real Estate Business Podcast. My name is Luke Cameron. And in this episode, we want to dig deep, unpack and find out what it takes to supercharge any business in any given market. And today we're having our second episode with industry thought leader, Michael Connolly, who is head of property management at Stone Real Estate and has been at the forefront of some of the largest rent roll portfolios in Australia for the past 30 years. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Lou. Thanks for having me again. Pleasure. So this is our second episode of, of uh, focusing on property management growth and the, and the future of property management in, uh, in real estate. And today we'd like to take it a step further. Uh, in the last episode, and if you haven't listened to it, please do so because it will set the tone for today's. But we did discover uh, from Michael's perspective and unique perspectives what systems, structures, technologies, businesses require to experience rapid growth. We've, we covered what separates those businesses that are thriving with new managements versus those that have stalled in their growth prospects. We looked at things like um, management structures, uh, how to deliver incentives for your key staff in in portfolios, and also what does the future from a technology uh, and service delivery point of view look like. Today we're going to be going into a little bit more detail. And I want to start, Michael, with firstly, how do you see with millennials being future property investors, how do you see the industry changing in its service delivery and communication to meet the needs of millennials going forward? Yeah, well, this is a great segue question from our last um, podcast because we ended on 10 years from now. How do you see technology and service delivery changing? So focusing in on millennials, uh, and it's a really good question because uh, as we know, uh, from this point on, one third of all adults in the population are millennials, one third. And these are obviously people that were born from the 80s onwards. They're, what's really important is they are actually now closing in on their peak spending and investing years. So this is where they're going to get start to get really serious about wealth creation and investing in property and obviously equity, shares, etc. So this is one, one of the interesting things I, I found out about millennials to give you a really good understanding of why you're going to have to change your model and your business and start investing in technology if you haven't already. This is really important. Millennials would rather visit the dentist than visit a bank. So that sort of highlights what type of generation they are. For them, everything must be instant, must be at the press of a button. So that's why it's important now that we have platforms like Click It Over as an example, which is um, really important in terms of uh, that digital way of doing business rather than the old-fashioned way of coming into an office and signing a lease, etc. Digital presentations. So we already see those in the marketplace now too, whether they're pre-listing kits or listing kits. And what's also important, uh, if you haven't already, is having um, apps and client portals and having, obviously, in terms of your maintenance, uh, programs like Bricks and Agent or even Property Tree has actually Bricks and Agent already in, integrated in, into it. So I do recommend uh, those sort of products as well for the future. So what, what was re- interesting, Luke, was um, about, call it, eight years ago or so, maybe it was seven years ago, one of the offices I was working with, a large office, large portfolio, had a um, situation where they brought on 
had some new technology and that was involved apps and all sorts of maintenance apps, et cetera. And I spoke to them about it and I said, look, in terms of the take-up, in terms of the owners and the tenants, what was the greatest take-up? And they said, well, basically, most of the owners weren't really interested, Mike. We've got a very low take-up rate. But in terms of the tenants, it was a massive take-up rate. Now, that, as I said, was about, let's call it five or six years ago. I would say now those tables are turning um, because, as we've just established, these uh, owners of the future are now those tenants, right? So we're going to see a flip on that. The other thing that's really important too is uh, this generation, uh, the review generation, the online research generation. So they're 50% more likely um, to actually do that, to go through that process. So looking at Google reviews, looking at your actual website, uh, and they're 50% more likely to do price comparisons. 50% more likely to do price comparison. Also, they rely heavily on peer reviews, so social media, and they are three times more likely to talk about a brand than any other generation. So if you haven't got your customer service up to you know, a six-star level, and you haven't got your technology embedded into your business in the coming you know, months, years, etc., you're going to be behind the pack, and all you're going to be doing is basically helping your competition to build a bigger business. So that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I think that, um, oh, sorry, I'll just add one more thing to that, Luke. Um, I think there'll also be a greater emphasis going forward on corporate responsibility and business responsibility, uh, particularly around the environment. So that'll be something they'll be looking for as well. That's very interesting insights, Michael. Thank you. Is there anything more you'd like to add on uh, the well, I think we've covered enough there. I think the real, really the crux of it is this, Luke. You need to have your business ready for this generation. Um, so often, you know, in the past, I've gone into some offices and they've said, oh, yeah, you know, we don't really want to spend any more money investing in that prop tech or, you know, we, we really don't want to do outsourcing or whatever it might be. You need to start thinking like this because if you don't start thinking like this, all you are doing is giving your competition more of an advantage in the coming years to come. That's what's exciting is there's so much technology out there to enable our, our, our PM teams to build stronger relationships with their client base and ultimately when a relationship exists the, the, the foundation of relationship is communication the stronger the Absolutely. relationship the more negotiable the more flexible people will be so there's no excuse to uh, to, to allow relationships to, to sour um, now for those businesses uh, that are uh, looking at acquisitions as part of their growth strategy when should a business be looking at acquisition versus organic growth or a combination of both? Is there the, is there the ideal time or is it, is it an always, uh, should be always be part of a business owner's mindset? Well, I think it should always be there. But my, the first question I always ask when a principal comes to me, a business owner's come to me and say, we're thinking of acquisition. I say, why? Why are you going to do that? Because I really want to understand there's strategic reasons that could be an increase in market share. Um, there's also strategic reasons because you might be able to capture a high-level sales agent or possibly a sales team. And the other part to it might be that your business is at a level where now you want to obviously grow it to a level where you can have scale and improve efficiency and structure in the business. So there's those three components, right? Um, and as an example, I worked with a business um, many years ago. They had a very high market share in Neutral Bay, um, Cremorne, which is on the Sydney Lower North Shore. But there was another market right next to them called Mossman, um, which is in Sydney. 
and uh, just Balmoral Slopes, Clifton Gardens, very well-established homes, uh, very high-end priced homes. In fact, I think Mossman is actually next to Alara, one of the highest value property uh, suburbs in Sydney. And uh, they need, they really wanted to, they were trying to crack into that market, were trying to crack into that market in terms of sales, and they just couldn't. It was very clicky, um, a lot of well-established, long-term agents in the area. So they actually decided they'd buy a rent roll. And uh, it was a very costly acquisition. I actually did the due diligence for them on that rent roll. Um, but look, long story short, uh, it actually enabled them to break into that market. Uh, they got market share. In fact, so much market share, they ended up in an office, actually, in Mossman. So these are the reasons. Uh, so I always want to find, get, get, I guess, do a deep dive and find out why this is going to happen. And the, the other thing, too, that's important as we head more into 2022 and into 2023 is I think we're going to start seeing quite a few more uh, rent rolls on the market as well. So obviously supply and demand, that could mean that we actually see multiples come down um, as more and more of these rent rolls go onto the market. So there could be greater negotiation power as well. But of course, you've also got to factor in uh, interest rates are also on the rise too. So all, all in all, um, I would say to you, Luke, in answer to your question, it should always be on your mind, but I always want to understand what the reasons are behind it. Why are you doing this? Not just some you know knee-jerk reaction that you heard there's 50 properties or 100 properties down the road and you just want to buy it for the sake of it. So you mentioned you, you carried out the due diligence with that acquisition, Michael. What are some of the... Um items that you'd look at for, as part of a business's initial inquiries into a potential acquisition from a due diligence point of view? Well, clearly um, compliance is really important. So when we go through, we're checking all of the agency agreements, leases, application forms, routines have been done, ingoings have been done, and it's quite a process. But you're also looking at other components, how many landlords have got landlord insurance, right? Um, what was the churn rate over the last few years? What was the growth over the last few years? There's so many components. I mean, my checklist would have on it probably, it was probably about, in terms of just the checklist, was about five pages. And then after that, we go through, obviously, um, in terms of how big the rent roll was, somewhere between 20 and 30% of the files randomly at our choice. Um, so we'd go through randomly at our choice. And then from there, obviously, we'd make an assessment of whether the multiple was correct for the for the um, for the rent roll. Okay, very good. And for the businesses that are very focused on organic growth, so clearly those businesses have great marketing strategies. What are you seeing is the most effective way for businesses to promote their services to their community to drive new landlords? Yeah. So the start of this question is. Um, Really, for me, there's four levels of marketing and brand recognition. So the first one is I don't know you or what you do. The other one is I know you, but I still don't really know what you do. The third one is I know you and what you do. And then the fourth one, which is the pinnacle, is I know you and I know you are the best at what you do. So the first part of it is brand recognition, right? From there, you lead into, and some of these are going to sound a little bit out of the box, Luke, but I have seen many offices do these, um, I guess, processes that I'm going to go through and they have worked. So the first one that always amazes me is auctions. How we hold all these auctions that we never talk about or hand out anything to do with our property management business. Now, look, I've just recently purchased a property, went to a few auctions, etc. And again, most of those agencies didn't mention their property management business, etc. Uh, when I was selling my property, same, same process. I'm a nosy neighbour. Um, nothing was ever given to me to suggest that I should ever you know, look into renting my property out or use 
whatever company it was. So I, I find that really strange that we have this opportunity where we have neighbours and also potential investors standing right in front of us and we don't talk about our property management business or at least even hand something out at the auction. The next one is um, community. So the, some of the best offices I've seen in terms of property management growth um, and sales, by the way, but property management growth is they are very, very involved with the community. Um, and what that means, and this is where we've got to be careful, it doesn't mean sending a check to a school or a golf club and saying, there you go, um, there's some money and that's it, put my sign up. Um, as one great sales agent once said uh, to me, it's actually, I want to be on the barbecue. I want to be doing the sausage sizzle and shaking people's hands. So that's really important too, community. Um, I remember, uh, you know, it was many years ago, but um, we were living in Lane Cove and there was a particular agency there that really was in the community. Schools, art exhibitions, garage sales. They even had signs for garage sales, Halloween fireworks at bowling clubs. Their signs were everywhere. And they also were involved um, in terms of banner ads, heavily involved in banner ads on realestate.com. Um, and I remember I told my wife one day, look, let's buy a property. Can you do the research, et cetera, in Lane Cove? She went on, she saw all the banner ads, and obviously she'd seen all of these um, boards that were promoting all the community um, uh, events as well and she said to me you know what Michael this agency has got this market they must have they must be number one and the funny thing is at the time I knew they didn't uh, they were about at that stage probably had number three ranking in terms of market share uh, but they did get to number one um, after all of that so it's really important in terms of community social media driving traffic to the website is important um, inter-office promotion too um, something networks don't do well and something I'm going to be working on in the future with the Stone Network is inter-office promotion and referrals. Uh, again, seems to slip through people's fingers. Google reviews are very important. And I know that sounds like a strange thing when you say, well, we're talking about marketing, Michael, but you know, I've seen many offices where their Google reviews are you know, three out of five or two out of five, whatever it might be. As I mentioned before, you've got this next generation coming through uh, that are the review generation. So they will be looking, they will make decisions on that Google review. Um, here's another one too, which again, is a little bit out of the box, but new client consultant uh, used to work for me. And what she used to do is she'd lease a property. We'd have the lease sign, obviously. The lease sticker would go up on the, on the signboard. And then she'd go and knock on all the doors around that house and introduce herself, give them their cut, her card, etc. And it was a customer service knock on the door to say, look, we've just leased the property across the road, just so you know, this is how much it leased for, uh, the couple are moving in, the family are moving in, you know, this date, etc. If they're in the in the unlikely event that there's anything that goes wrong, please give me a call, etc. etc. So it's like a customer service knock on the door. It doesn't always have to be just banners on the side of a bus or a bus stop or even banner ads on websites. It can be actually getting involved in the community, being at the auctions, knocking on people's doors. Um, and the next one too that is not really focused on much in real estate and property management is channel management. So what I mean by that is actually having someone that is at a level where they can actually engage with developers and mortgage brokers and accountants and conveyances. So forming strategic alliances is, is, is important too. Um, and so again, that's something I've seen work really well in, in many offices. Yeah, the core of what you're saying there is relationships are critical. How can sales agents and equally, and, and property managers build stronger relationships within their office? 
Yeah, so this is again a challenge that's happened over many years in real estate where sometimes you have these silos that can be created. What does it come down to? Basically trust and respect. And they're the foundations of all relationships, right? Uh, every sales agent needs to have the confidence when they hand a client over to a new client consultant or a BDM uh, and then on obviously to a property management team that that client will be looked after. I mean, referring someone into your property management business is, uh, it can come with risk. If that's if that property management business and that new client consultant and the leasing team are not working as well as they should be, that, that brings in risk. And that's sometimes, unfortunately, is where you see, and this is the worst case scenario, sales agents actually lose confidence in their property management team and actually, and this is terrible to hear, actually refer those clients somewhere else. So you've got to be very careful that you do actually have that synergy and that relationship and that trust and respect in the business. One of the things that I like and I've seen, um, again, not for everybody, but I've seen it and I've seen it work, is the BDM or new client consultant is embedded with the sales team. Take it even a step further. The sales manager has a dotted line reporting line for that uh, role as well. So that person doesn't just report into the head of property management. They also report into the sales manager and that sales manager has also got bonuses and KPIs built around their performance. Uh, that can be a very powerful way to structure a business. And also what it comes down to, Luke, is having the right incentive plans in place for sales referrals and obviously the other way around for PM uh, back into sales. Uh, so, it, and, and this is the other classic is, um, and this is what really breaks your heart is, you know, a salesperson has put a property into, a client into, I should say, into the property management business. Let's say it's sat there for a couple of years and then they find out that another agency is selling the property. And what happened was that the um, client called the property manager and said, look, I have a friend who wants to come around and collect the keys and have a look at it just to rent it out for a little while. I'm going to take it off the market. And that friend turns up in a Versace suit and a black Mercedes Benz and couldn't look more like a real estate agent if they tried. And you can't, you know, you can't blame a sales agent working in that business if that happens to them for, for losing trust. And I think a lot of the responsibility to, to enable the, the, those relationships comes down to the owner of the business. So what, Absolutely. what, what effective management structures do you see in, in helping build those relationships within the office? Well, I'll talk to that as in terms of a head of property management or general manager of property management or a team leader, if you sure. like. Yeah. Um, for me, and, and I've seen both, both of these, I've seen people come in from corporate and sit in those roles, so they've never worked in real estate in their lives. And I've seen people obviously come up through the ranks and sit in those roles. And you know, now that I've seen both of those um, approaches, I'm really more for someone coming up through the ranks. Um, there is an element of someone coming through corporate uh, that can bring things to the table, don't get me wrong, but to get the respect um, and trust uh, and to be a true leader in, in a business like property management, people need to know that you have been on that journey. Um, and to the point sometimes too, where I've seen, by the way, those people having to step in um, to portfolios uh, for various reasons. Um, yeah, could be anything, could be sickness, it could be someone traveling overseas, they couldn't get a temperature, whatever it might be. Um, the team needs to know that you know um, what it is to be a property manager or a leasing consultant, new client consultant, like myself, I've been through all those roles. Uh, and they need to know that you understand how it all works. 
in terms of the stresses that come with being a property manager um, and, and, the, and the performance that is required from someone like a leasing consultant or a new, new business person. So that's important. Um, in terms of the structure of it, obviously one-on-one set agendas, uh, having a KPI set up in the business, you must always approach it as a coach. You, there's no such thing as dictators anymore. Um, in terms of leadership roles. I think Simon Sinek sums it up really well. He says, leadership is not a rank, it's a choice. Um, anyone that thinks leadership is a rank is already set, set to fail. Um, obviously, regular training uh, in the business, regular team meetings. Uh, there needs to be a, a discipline in the business around this too. Um, unfortunately, in some businesses, I've seen, yes, they have team meetings and one-on-ones, but they sort of slip every now and then. There's, there's no discipline to it. And doing that actually as a leader, you start to lose trust and respect from your team. If they actually want that discipline in the business, believe it or not, they actually want that structure. Um, the other part to it is that you should always know that some of the best ideas, many of the best ideas come from the bottom up from your team. So listening and then understanding what are the good ideas and actually executing on them as well. And I guess lastly, just to wrap it up, uh, empowerment, um, having the license, your team allowing your team to have the license and having trust in them to make decisions. And if they do make an error, it's not the end of the world. You're not going to judge them. You know, you've got to give them that empowerment as well. So all of those things, but I'll just read, sorry, I'll just read one last thing too, which is really important for leaders today in terms of retention of team members. Um, this is uh, Goff Recruitment put out a, um, a report last year um, in terms of what are candidates looking for in terms of staying in a role or looking for a new role. What's really interesting, one of the lowest was salary. Okay. So one of the highest was um, job security. Skills and career development came, came next. And then workplace flexibility, employee benefits, health and wellbeing. And as I said, one of the lo- lowest ranking out of all of those was salary. So I would like people that are obviously in those roles, listening to these leadership roles to understand that. And that is, by the way, when we talk about one third of adults will be millennials from this point on, guess what the workforce is going to be? Millennials. And they are looking for exactly what I just read out. So really important. Now that's incredible insights. And um, I think what, what I'd like to touch on now is how are businesses embracing offshore solutions? And is that something that businesses should be considering at the moment? Um, and in the main, is it becoming more acceptable and, and um, enhancing that experience for both the property managers and landlords and tenants? Yeah, so look, obviously more are heading this way. It's um, been around for quite a few years now. There's quite a lot of companies out in the Philippines that offer uh, this service um, and people, you know, take it from using it for leasing admin through to PM admin, uh, all sorts of functions in the business tasks in the, in the business. Unfortunately, sometimes what happens, there are so many companies offering this now. Um, there are good ones and there are not so good ones now. And sometimes, unfortunately, people don't have the right guidance. That's why uh, there's people like me in networks to give the right guidance and they go to the wrong company. And they have a bad experience and they think, well, outsourcing isn't the right way. But it's not entirely correct. Unfortunately, you just had a bad experience. Um, the other thing that's really important too is uh, there's also something called onshoring. 
I'll call it onshoring, which is um, trust accounting, for instance. There's a lot of businesses now that have their trust accounting done by a third party. Routine inspection, uh, companies like NRI, uh, again, onshoring in my books, uh, but it's really you know, outsourcing. Uh, getting companies to do your routine inspections. Uh, even lead generation has been outsourced. Uh, companies like K2X, not just for sales, but also for property management. There's all sorts of elements to outsourcing. But as I said in the last podcast we did, due to um, obviously the investment into artificial intelligence now and into the future with companies like Property Tree and Property Realm and Rental Heroes, etc., uh, we're probably going to start to see some of the functions that are done in these companies in the Philippines uh, start to actually wind back and the artificial intelligence and the software will start to take over. Um, so, yeah, basically in a nutshell, uh, it's still something that is very relevant. Uh, there's many businesses using it successfully, uh, but you do have to be careful, um, like anything, with, with any choice of, of a company, that you make sure you get the right company um, and, and don't have one of those sour experiences. Is it something that businesses should consider from the outset or is it something that mature businesses, it's more relevant? Uh, for them to consider. Yeah, look, that would that, that that's obviously that's controversial. There's always going to be debates around that. My my thoughts are really it's it's around that, and I said this in the last podcast, sort of on your journey from two fifty, three hundred, and three hundred to five hundred is around where you'd start to uh, bring on outsourcing. But you don't you don't necessarily have to bring on every single you know feature that they offer or tasks that they can do for you at once. I would say that any business that's looking at this, you do it in bite-sized chunks, right? One step at a time. Don't try and, you know, build Rome in a day. Just take it one step at a time because it can also be um, overwhelming for your own team too. Um, so you need to take them on that journey and make sure that they're buying into, obviously, that new structure and way of working. Very good, mate. And, and how are agencies embracing um, strategies or technologies to further grow their annuity streams and ultimately enhance... The experience. So again, this is something that's been talked about for gosh decades now, um, and you know, some people call it concierge. Um, but really, what what we're looking at here now, from this point on, uh, the future PM role is, and I've said this before in the last podcast, is a relationship and sales role. So it's no more an admin role that has a little bit of relationship. It is a relationship role that has, and a sales role, has some admin. So we need, you know, for some, that transition might not work so well. There could be some property managers uh, right now that don't want to go on that journey. Um, they, they don't want to be sort of in a role that's selling and nurturing relationships. And that's okay. They'll self-select and they'll move into other businesses and other areas and other sectors. Uh, but those that do want to stay on, and be successful in those businesses that want to be successful, they need to now start to shift into a new gear around relationship and sales. And that's about, as I said, nurturing current clients, relationships, building growth through those relationships, and then in answer to your question, building adjacencies, what they call adjacencies. Some people call it bolt-ons. What are they? Uh, could be around insurance. It could be around, uh, believe it or not, cleaning, removalists, gym memberships, or even taking it you know, have an even broader look at it. What if you had a strategic alliance with, uh, as a network with a company like Harvey Norman, for instance? We know when people move, 
they typically will buy a new lounge, a new bed, a new washing machine, a new fridge, something, right? So what if that was part of that role as well? And obviously there was a relationship and a strategic alliance between Harvey Norman, you know, and some sort of commission stream, whatever it might be. And I'm just using one example. of There could be so many more. That's where we're heading in terms of this role, which we currently call, and I don't agree with, senior property manager, by the way. I think the role should already be called senior relationship manager. And I don't agree with CDM either, just so you know. Mm. Um, just uh, business development manager is very old-fashioned to me. I believe that the, the role should be called new client consultant or new relationship consultant, um, really starting to get everyone understanding from a, a perception and psychology psychological point of view that this role has changed and will continue to change into the future. And it will become a revered role. It's almost like an asset management role, isn't it? Well, I, again, I don't mind that. If someone has a title senior asset manager, um, I, I'm fine with that as well. But yes, absolutely. Portfolio even. Uh, I agree with that as well. You know, why, why is a client bought an investment property to create wealth? You know, and you are looking after that portfolio of clients that are trying to create wealth. Um, and what will come with that too is, um, in terms of that relationship role, is clients will more and more be looking for advice, um, not just not no longer the call. Look, the hot water tank blew up. We can get you a new one for this one. That's I'm not talking about that advice. I'm talking about how do I create even more wealth for myself? How do I make the current property I have worth more in the future? That sort of advice. How can I get more rent for my property? That sort of advice which is through taking a proactive approach to looking out for that client's best needs. Um, Absolutely. Mike, we've got time for one more question, if that's okay. Yep. 30 years experience, looking back, benefit of hindsight, Michael Connolly stepping into the real estate industry on his first day, what advice would you have for him with those 30 years experience, speaking to a young uh, entrepreneurial Michael Connolly stepping into the industry? I think that the best advice I could give anyone is don't, and this is going to sound strange coming from someone who runs multiple, over the years, has run multiple training sessions and you know, forums and uh, you know, round tables, et cetera. Uh, I guess the best advice, and, and I took it, um, was if I want to actually be someone in this industry, if I want to actually be someone that earns more than a, you know average property manager and gets a, a a six-figure salary as a general manager or a head of a network, I've got to do a lot more than just rely on the company or the business I'm working for to educate me. So that advice that I took uh, for myself was start educating yourself, Michael. And so how did that happen? Uh, I started going to obviously all of the conferences, so I recommend that. I went to um, even... Uh, some training sessions that were not really real estate trends so management sessions, how to be a manager, how to be a leader. In my day, back then, they didn't really run those sort of sessions in networks or in some, some cases independent offices I worked in. So the other part to that was I just um, read and read and read and I bought so many books on leadership and management and um, you know, business uh, that I've got a library, a library of those books. Um, I can tell you this, um, someone I worked with for 20 years uh, took that exact same approach. And I know that because I used to borrow books from his library uh, in his office, and that was John McGrath. Yeah. He uh, had an insatiable appetite for educating himself. 
and um, he he had so much so that he had so many books. There was a library um, at the head office where you could borrow. There's not today, but there used to be um, back many years ago. So yeah, my best advice to anyone listening to this that wants to progress, wants to have a great career, wants to one day be a manager, a general manager, a state manager like me, or the head of network, educate yourself. And one takeaway, Michael, one recommended podcast or book for anyone who, who's going to be taking that advice. Uh, the first one of all is, it's, that I would say to Aaron, I say this to everyone when I do training, is uh, Stephen Covey, um, The Seven Habits. Yep. You, you cannot miss that book. If, if you are serious, uh, and by the way, he's, he's passed away now, but the, everything in, and his son now writes books, believe it or not, and his name's Stephen Covey too. Uh, and he's written more than just that book, by the way. But that is the, for me, um, the 101 book to start you off on that journey. Very good, Michael. If there's anything more you'd like to add, mate, please do so. Otherwise, we'd like to thank you for your time today. And I hope everybody's gotten a lot from this podcast and the time we've had together. Thanks, Luke. I look forward to joining you again soon uh, for our next podcast. Thank you very much, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you for joining us on the Stone Real Estate Industry Podcast. To learn more about us, be sure to visit us at stonerealestate.com.au. Now, if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast player so you don't miss out on any future conversations with industry peers. While you're at it, if you found value in the podcast and the conversations on today's show, we'd appreciate our ratings on iTunes or simply make sure you tell a friend about the conversation we had. Be sure to join us on our next episode with more information to inform and inspire you. Bye for now.